This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. Happy to be with you once again. We talked about this maybe being an eventful week. We got more than we bargained for since we came to you on Monday with our first episode of the week in which we broke down a lot with Tyler Calvaruso. Uh, I have since lost an organ. I went to the ER on Tuesday night with some severe abdominal pain. By noon on Wednesday, uh, I had my gallbladder out, a pesky little organ that's located near your pancreas and liver. was giving me some fits. It was not fun. Um, first thing I'm attempting to do for work here on a Friday morning, uh, the 24 seven sports uh, folks who are fantastic, encouraged me to take the week off. Uh, thought we just wanted to do a little bit of a catch up on the recruiting trail because as I was going under the knife, literally Penn state was picking up a commitment on Wednesday afternoon. It's what we used to call national signing day. You, you could have blinked and missed it this year in a lot of ways for the 2024 class, but in the 2025 class, Penn state gets bigger there. It's their third commitment since the open uh, since the contact period uh, you know, started in January, they were able to get some visits. They were able to get coaches on the road. We've seen this class now grow to 10. And we're going to get some perspective on this group, the newest additions from Brian Doan right now. He also has a new crystal ball pick in, in favor of Penn State. We'll address that later in this segment as well. But we're going to keep this show relatively tight because I'm not sure exactly how long I can stretch this episode. But it's just going to be you and me, Brian. And I really appreciate you joining us here on a Friday when I know you've got some things to get to uh, for, for your job. Uh, so thanks for taking some time for mine yeah no no problem and just so you know and if everybody knows out there that all week we were just saying that tyler had an upper body and he was questionable we weren't sure what he was going to be just an upper body we didn't want the opponents to right. know you know how to target wherever your gallbladder is oh so. <laughs> uh, that would not be a good spot to target right now and at brian penn state has you know, picked up some momentum in terms of adding numbers to this 2025 class. They're up to 10 commitments now, number six class in the country as currently constructs, constructed in 24-7 sports rankings. And I think we can work backward chronologically, meaning we'll start with the latest pickup, and it's an in-state one, four-star variety in Deshaun Burnett out of Amani Christian Academy, uh, Penn State early to the party with this recruitment. Can you talk us through how it developed over the course of time and, and and what exactly Penn State is picking up in this latest addition to the 2025 class. Yeah, I think for me, this is a really interesting pickup. And, and I mentioned it. I think I did a quick breakdown and just what he was the day he committed. But he he was first a receiver. And, you know, I saw him as a freshman. And there was no question that at that time he would be looked at as a receiver. He was he was tall, you know, 6'1", lanky. Um a freshman, so he had plenty of room for growth. And I remember seeing him like the next summer, so probably about 10 months later, and all of a sudden he was like 6'2 and really 
muscle definition and um, he started working out on the defensive side of the ball when I was at the uh, two tenths camp out in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, wait a minute, I, I better watch this one because I, I had him on the other side. And I think, you know, he's really close to Terry Smith. He's known Terry Smith since before, way before he was even on the recruiting scene. There's that relationship. Penn State was the first one to offer him way back when. Um, been to campus a few times, has always spoken highly about it. And then once he turned into a linebacker prospect, and, and right now he's kind of a linebacker defensive end, kind of figure out what he's going to be. But more so right now when you watch him, he plays all over the field, including quarterback, receiver, whatever. But on defense, to line him up outside linebacker, blitz him off the edge or kind of put him right on the edge. And he just looks natural there. He he understands depth drops. And when you're an in-state kid at linebacker with a Penn State offer, I mean, you know the rest of it, right? I mean, it, that's, you know, that that's kind of their wheelhouse. And so it just became a matter of time. He wanted to get it over with. And I think, I think Tyler, we're going to see this more and more with kids who have just, they're just going to decide to commit on signing day, you know, for the class in front of them. Um, it's just the way it is. It, it kind of has some kind of special meaning because there's still a lot of eyes that don't follow recruiting on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you know, it made sense. And it, it's one of those where I felt like if Penn State was taking him, he was always going to wind up at Penn State. The, the way you describe his underclassman path um, reminds me a little bit, and I think you may have referenced this um, when you put a video together for us, Curtis Jacobs, you know, that you know, wide receiver is where you see him, and then he's developing, growing as a defender. But then the way you're kind of setting up the, the, maybe the next phase of his high school career reminds me more of a Zariah Fisher type story and, and a guy who came here as a linebacker. He's now potentially going to be a starting defensive end to cap off his career at Penn State. Where is Burnett in that kind of uh, physical timeline and, and positional development, in your opinion? Yeah, I think I, I really like that comparison with Zariah because um, he, Zariah, I thought, always was twitched up coming off the edge. And, and I think right now Burnett is maybe a shade under 6'3", 215, 220, depending who you speak to and maybe what he had to eat that day, maybe – hit a Permenti brothers <laughs> late at night, like some of us may do when we're out there. But, you know, for watching how he develops is key. Does it become natural where he can get up to 250, you know, 245, 250? Or does he kind of settle in at the 225 to 230 range, what his frame can handle? And then it, it just becomes what, what else does Penn State have at both positions? If you have three really good guys who can play his spot, who are all – class or two apart, you know, then maybe you move them to the defensive line. There's a defensive line edge type. Do they have enough guys there with some depth? And I think, you know, I think one of the things that I've really paid attention to in the last maybe two or three years is the best defensive lines in the country usually rotate eight guys through. So whether you're a starter or not, you know, as long as you're getting plenty of snaps there and can he be that guy? And I liked his Zariah Fisher comparison just because, Let's see how his body develops. Zariah, obviously, his body developed a lot more. And I thought going into it, Fisher could have been an, an edge guy. I thought that may be his best spot. I still don't know where Burnett's best spot is because he does do some really good things in terms of coverage and understanding 
of where to be and depth drops in some zones. Um, I'm curious to see where his development leads maybe in two years. Yeah, Fisher's a guy who got one year in the linebacker room. We've seen other transitions. A guy like Jesse Lucchetta had four years in the linebacker room before he became a starter at defensive end. Nick Tarburton made a relatively quick transition from linebacker to defensive end. Uh, some examples in the past there. But staying at the linebacker position, staying in that region as well, Brian, um, we don't have to go too far, far back to, to look at Alex Tash and his addition uh, to this 2025 class. Another linebacker, uh, Burnett right now is ranked uh, 29th at the linebacker position position in 24-7 sports rankings. He's a four-star, but just to kind of show how close Tash is in that conversation, he's number 34 at linebacker. He's an 8-9 rating. He's a three-star. So these guys are not separated by very much in the eyes right now of 24-7 sports rankings. Brian, before we kind of compare and contrast the two, can you focus on Tash and talk about why Penn State targeted him and made him an in-state priority? Yeah, I think for me, the most important part is I finally figured out where Latrobe, Pennsylvania was, <laughs> um, which is, if, I, if I'm right, now this goes back to my college days, but is that not the home of Rolling Rock? Is that I the think old? That's right. I think that's right. And if we're both wrong, then we'll, we'll hear about it. We will, and I'm sure there's some kind of advertisement we can do to make up for it and everything. And I'm, but but going back to my college days, I, I maybe remember seeing that on the green bottle. But anyway, and so I know where it is. Um, that said, this is a kid who the moment they offered, it was like, okay, when's he going to commit? He had been to campus a bunch. He's a he's a kid who. Loves Penn State, grew up watching them, you know, watched Pittsburgh too, but grew up really watching Penn State. Fits what they do. You know, he's 6'2 to 6'3, about 215, plenty of room for growth, plays on both sides of the ball. He is a kid that is really comfortable in space, understands the position well, he runs well, he will have no problem. You know, we talked about Burnett, who already has some, you know, a lot of physical development just from a muscular standpoint. Tash, he, he's strong, but there's plenty of room for more growth. Easy for him to get to 230 if they want to get him there. Runs well, can come downhill. He'll hit you, shows he can cover. Um, has soft hands for, for a linebacker with some of the interceptions he makes. Understands how to be patient and watch the quarterback's eyes instead of just making a knee-jerk reaction and going somewhere. In the running game, he can impact. I think he had 70 plus tackles, a um, couple sacks, played some running back where he got the ball and showed some ability there. And, and so he does a lot of different things, but he is, you know, Tyler, I, I'm, you know, once these kids get to college, sometimes, you know, you kind of get them at my position, you kind of move on to the next one, but it's the, is it the Tyler Elson kid who's at Penn State now? Tyler Elson, me, yeah. yeah, very similar in terms of, tape ability i think alex maybe probably runs a little bit better sideline to sideline than tyler did at, you know during his high school days i thought tyler was a straight down the straight downhill guy who would really hit you maybe more of a middle linebacker i don't, I don't know where he's playing at penn state to be honest yeah, he's at he's at mike he was the starter last year or he was a starter in 2022 played about 60 percent of it versus 40 percent for kobe king kobe right. king supplanted him as a starter this year he's been more of a backup but he's been playing the mic role yeah yeah, yeah and i always thought that he was a, a downhill kid between the tackles right fill, fill your run mm -hmm. gap and i think tash is a little bit more than that just from the speed aspect but very similar builds and similar things they did on tape inside the box in, in high school. 
Yeah, Tash, I think seven takeaways in, in 11 or 12 games. Uh, that was, you know, a nice jump out of the stats uh, sheet there. I mean, they, they added two guys. I was talking to to Alan Zemitis after on signing day, uh, breaking down some of their defensive signees, and he was discussing the linebacker class. And they talked about these being box linebackers and Kari Jackson uh, and Anthony Specka. Jackson's on campus in January. Specka will soon join him. When you look at, at the two guys they're adding here, um, does that get away from that? Is it more of the same? Are, are they going to need to address more of a, that outside and more of a versatile hybrid spot with a, with a different kind of linebacker moving forward? Or do you think they're loading up it with kind of those box linebackers at this point? Yeah, no, I, I don't think Tash is a box linebacker. I think, okay. look, if you want him to play there, I think he could. But I think he's a guy that can play in space on the outside, maybe cover a little bit. Um, he's got good feet, too, you know, quick. You know, his footwork's good. So for me, no, he doesn't fit that. Burnett, I could see that, but I think if you're going to say, hey, Burnett's a, a box linebacker um, and you don't think he can get out and cover in the flat and maybe do some stuff against the tight end, um, I think for me, I'd rather just move him down, you know, put the more weight on him and put him down kind of like a defensive lineman type that you mentioned with Soraya Fisher. So for me, I think these guys are a little bit different in that respect. But I could – look, if you want to put Burnett inside and he plays downhill, I think that's what his skill set is. Yeah, and and so I think moving forward, linebacker, things get shuffled a little bit because of some decisions that, that were made at St. Joe's Philly this week at, at the linebacker spot on Penn State's board as we're assessing where guys might stand, where they where they don't stand. And so looking ahead, there's room that when you think about Penn State adding on top of these two linebackers, what kind of what kind of a, of a prospect do you think makes sense? Is there a particular mold that that kind of could complement these two? Is there anyone that comes to mind for you? I just want a really good athlete. I, mm -hmm. I want a kid who runs well, who has versatility, you know, can can play out in space. Uh, I'm of the belief that for the most part, you know, it's like anything else. You you can move them inside if you don't see certain traits, but you, as long as they have the frame and the mentality to play downhill. But I, I want a guy who has some length, who can blitz off the edge, who can cover is able to get off blocks in the run game and kind of string a play out to the sideline. That's what I want. I mean, there, there's plenty of them out there that they can go after. I, I'd like to see them be, uh, you know, take their time, be a little bit picky with who they want. Um, there, there's a different kind of, I don't want to say need or pressure to take an in-state kid. You know, when you offer an in-state kid, it usually means, you're going to take them. And when you bring them to campus and, you know, love them up, you're, you're going to take them. And I think for me looking at, so they, they, you know, Tash and Burnett, who they both love, don't get me wrong that they weren't going to take them, but I think be a little bit more particular in what you're looking for and maybe another one or another two, but Penn state should never have trouble recruiting a linebacker. Never. Yeah, and let me, let me make sure I don't bury the lead here at linebacker recruiting their top-rated recruit overall in this class. They, they got him before these two jumped on board. They got him last September, DJ McClary, out of Snyder High School in Jersey City. And while we're on the subject, Brian, I know you, you brought him up here on the podcast before, but while we're on the subject of this linebacker class, what is he all about and, and why is he within that top 200 range right now in our rankings? Well, he's a fantastic athlete who, when he plays hard, he goes. And he's asked to do a lot on that team, play quarterback and carry the ball on a on a run-oriented offense and play linebacker. I went to see him play, and, you know, there were times where his effort wasn't the best on defense. And 
There's no way around it. Um, that, you know, if that happens in college, you won't be playing at that college very long. I think, you know, in talking to a lot of people about it, it's because of how much is asked of him um, that maybe he'll take some plays off even on the defensive side. But when he goes, he can run to the sideline. He can fill the gap. He can cover. He's a hard hitter, explosive, closing speed. He has all that stuff. So, you know, when you're when you're ranking a kid like that, what do you look at? Do you look at his ceiling or do you look at his floor? And we look at the ceiling, right, because it's so much different in the college game in terms of just being able to give effort and energy and, and understand the importance of all that. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy, you know, you, you asked before about whether what guys could do. I think he's a guy that could do both of it, to be honest with you. And he's a, he, he is a prodigious tackler. It's not like he's getting two tackles a game. Like when, when he's going on a play, he's usually making the play. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. So Burnett comes on board February 7th. Tash comes on board February 4th. And a little bit before that, during this period when, when Penn State's got guys on campus and their coaches are out in high schools, you got Owen Alessine joining the class, another big tackle prospect, the guy who's got a really interesting background, and hopefully you can fill in some of that for us, Brian Dome. But out of Avon Old Farms in Connecticut, he committed January 21st. We got him at six foot seven, 275 pounds. He's got a history in hockey at the high school level. Talk us through this one, because this is really one of those that has some layers to it. Oh, I love him. And, and that six seven, two seventy five, 275, that's on the money, and he may be even a little bit bigger, which I don't, I don't want him to be taller than that right you don't see a lot of six nine offensive tackles in the nfl you you see you know there's there's now and again but you know that six seven spot's kind of like the sweet spot for me personally and so yeah he he went to avon old farms to play ice hockey you know it wasn't getting kind of the run that he wanted to get and in the meantime they said hey why don't you go play i think they call it like thirds football is what they call it um, I'm not up to date with some of the boarding school lingo from New England, but they call it thirds football and it's basically freshman football. And he went out there and he's like, oh, you know, this is kind of fun. I, I, I may be decent at this. And sophomore year, he got to the varsity level and it's like, well, wait a minute, we may have something here. And he's a kid that I've seen play. I've watched him work out. I've watched him practice. So I've, I've had plenty of exposure to him up at uh, Avon Old Farms with, you know, their coach, John Hooley, who does an awesome job up there, you know, former college coaches at UConn. He was with Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. So um, he knows what they look like. And he's been telling me for a while, you know, keep an eye on this kid. And I think, you know, before I did this, I just went back and refreshed and watched some of the tape and stuff on, on Owen. And long, athletic, still plenty of room for, upper body strength. He moves his feet well. He's very patient in pass pro, um, which you don't see a lot. He doesn't lean. He just kind of sits there and he'll wait for you. And then once he gets his long arms on you, it's hard to get out. He bends well for a kid that size. He explodes. He'll, he's got that mean, nasty streak to him where he really likes to not just block you, but to you know make you have to get off the ground when he does it. And I look at what he is body type wise and it's exactly what offensive line coach Phil Troutwine has done in 
redoing that offensive line room with Penn State. And Tyler, you know, if you go back to before Phil got there, there were a lot of questions about how good is the O-line? What about this? What about that? And I don't hear those questions very much anymore. And now some people will say, well, you're not paying attention. But there, I feel like that offensive line is so much better and it takes so long to rebuild a room like that, even in the portal era where, you know, if you're trying to get a starter at Penn State in the portal, I would think you're about 750K is what it's going to take, right? And yeah. so how do you do – and this is why high school recruiting remains so vital and why it's so important, especially for premium positions. And I think with LCN, or I'm sure, let's call him Owen, right? Um, I'm sure, you know, it's going to take two years for him to get there strength-wise and, and really build his frame to where they want. But, boy, it, I, I really like the athleticism, the foot speed, and his tenacious approach to – blocking. I, I, I think Penn State got a really good one here. And I, I know there's going to be a lot of discussions about elevating him in the rankings as we move forward. First things first, I was told upon his commitment and, and take that for what it's worth that it's Owen Alicine. So carry that forward, if you will, or, or I, I could be off the mark. And I, I got no chance of remembering that. That's fine. I know you got a lot of names on, on your radar, <laughs> my friend. Owen Alicine is what we've been told. Okay. Uh, but uh, so Troutwine, though, is fresh off a class where he gets a guy in Garrett Sexton, who's what, mm -hmm. six foot six, 260 pounds. He's got a guy uh, in Egan Boyer who's six foot eight, 255 pounds. Um, I, does it feel like Phil is like, is what exactly is he doing? It feels like he's way ahead of the curve on some of these dudes. They do a really good job of evaluating that stuff. I mean, you go look at Anthony Donka and what he he looked like when they took his commitment. It's the same kind of deal where he's just long. And, and I don't want to say thin. I, I want to say lean. These, so if you go back and I, when, when Troutwine – and I knew him, you know, when he was dealing, you know, up in Boston College. But when you go back and you look at even what he wanted to do at BC and then to Penn State, what I kept hearing was he wants length and he wants guys that you don't have to – strip them down and build them back up. He wants guys that you can get there and kind of mold and, you know, have them put the weight on the right way who are athletic, who bend well and the length. And yeah, th these guys all fitted. And, and as I go through, you know, the last few classes, it's, it's not just with this or, you know, with the last one, you know, with Egan and, and the guys you mentioned, it, it's for me, it's, this is what I expect out of what Penn State is taking, which I'm sure will be a great segue into another topic on this pod. Uh, yes, yes, and and we're going to get into that in a moment. But I, while we're on this subject, I, I you know I'm kind of reminded. Uh, I keep having to remind myself that Brady O'Hara is in this mix. I want to say yeah. he's he's the only offensive lineman on board now. It used to be Jalen Matthews as the only offensive lineman until he went his separate way. But Brady O'Hara is out there. I know he's considered a jumbo athlete right now. Is kind of what we've been calling right. him. But he's a top twenty four seven prospect. We've seen him on the camp circuit playing tight end a bit. When you look at him, he's six foot six, two hundred thirty-five pounds, according to his twenty-four-seven Sports profile. High school junior right now, going to be a senior next fall at North Catholic in Pittsburgh. How do you kind of slot him as a Penn State football player at this stage of his career, or are you still waiting on more information yourself? Both. I mean, I I I have the idea that he's going to be an offensive tackle, but um, you're always waiting to see it go. And he knows it, right? When he committed, he and I spoke about that about offensive line probably being the path and 
here's the best way I can, like when I'm looking at him and I've, like you said, I, I've seen him in several camp settings over an extended period of time. So if he was going to play at Pitt or maybe Virginia Tech or Rutgers or, or something like that, where you're really an inline tight end with the hand on the ground, where they're going to ask you to block a ton and be really good at it. And then kind of what they, what you get in the passing game is, is I don't want to say a bonus, but you know, it, it, it's, that's not the biggest thing, but you look at what Penn state has at the tight end spot and you know, you, you go down from the Gasecki years and, and you just keep going with Strange. And again, I'm old, so I forget these names, but the kid from Canada. And then you Steve get Johnson. Reynolds, right. And you get Tyler Warren, who's athletic. And you say, okay, how did, how would Brady O'Hara fit in there? And he, he just, I don't think he's that elite athlete that you see from some of these guys like a Luke Reynolds or Gasecki. Now, he's probably a better blocker than both of them, but there's some other things Penn State traditionally asks their tight ends to do in an offense other than blocking. I don't, I don't think Jasicki was a first-round pick or whatever he was because he was, you know, driving guys back four yards at the snap. No. Um, so then you look and you say, okay, where, where, where does he fit best there? And it's, it's offensive tackle providing – you know, his frame can handle 280, 290, which I think it can from speaking with him about it and and knowing him, meeting him and everything. And so to me, yeah, I'll keep an eye on tight end because, he, you know, I don't want to diminish his athleticism. He's still a really good athlete. But, you know, you're, you're talking about what, you know, we always talk, Tyler, about what's your best position, what what can get you the the highest draft ability for the NFL with Liam Andrews, you know, I love him as a D lineman. I, I think he's fantastic. And maybe, you know, we rate him still right around a hundred in the 24 class, but I think if he's an offensive lineman, maybe he's a first round pick. And so that's what you're looking at. Um, and so with Brady O'Hara, I think he'd be really good as a tight end, but I think he could be a really a much higher level player as an offensive tackle. Before we jump over to your crystal ball pick that went in uh, Thursday evening, uh, I did want to address one more tight end. Uh, he is a definitive tight end, I think we can say, and Andrew Olesh out, yeah. of Southern, out of Southern Lehigh and here in Pennsylvania in Center Valley. Uh, six foot five, two twelve. We have him at uh, number thirty-five tight end nationally. He has really been uh, on the rise as a recruit. Over twenty offers now. Penn State among those who offered this right. winter. You caught up with him after the Nittany Lions offered. He's been to campus fairly recently. What kind of a, a pendulum swing was that Penn State offer in his recruitment? And, and really, is this a guy that we got to be tracking pretty closely moving forward? Well, I think he's a kid that – well, I don't think. I know he's a kid I'm going to be tracking. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm probably going to reach out to him um, in the next few days just to see where things are after he made his January visits and whatever. But, you know, he – I think he's talented. I, I think he's a really good pass catcher good hands. And, you know, when Penn State offered, it, it it wasn't like one of those, well, as soon as he steps on campus, he's getting an offer, you know it, but you kind of got the sense he could. And one thing I know about James Franklin is if it's an in-state kid and he thinks he can help them, they're, they're going to go on him and, you know, not say no if the kid wants to commit. Um, so for me, I think with Andrew, he's something I'm, I'm certainly charting him. Now the question becomes what other schools 
say to him, hey, do you want to go get lost in that Penn State tight end room where you're just a guy or do you want to come to our program and be the guy at tight end? And I think there's some, some of that that's going on, but this is a good time for him to sit back and try to figure things out. But yeah, I, I think he, the kid out of like the Harrisburger, Joey Scheffler. Yeah. And I don't know how he's developed at Penn State, but um, I, I think Andrew is a high school prospect is, is, is I, I like him a lot more than I liked Joey at the time. Yeah. Um, but so, so I don't want to make that kind of comparison, but it's almost, I, I get a little bit of sense of that with it. Yeah, and I mean Joey Schlafer, hell of a re receiver, tight end at, at the high school level. But you look at the room right now, and you, you throw in Luke Reynolds as an early enrollee, and it's just it's hard to find a pathway to playing time for him here in year two. Yeah, Penn State's not going too tight very often. Right. So I, we'll we'll see what happens here. Uh, right. I, I I do want to get get over that crystal ball because I've been teasing it quite a bit, and it's going to take us over to New Jersey, which you know very well. Penn State's got a couple pickups in that uh, class already for 2025 on board. And uh, you've got a projection in right now for another on the offensive line. Can you talk us through what led you to put the crystal ball in on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, what led me to it was talking to several people who are in the know of what goes on and saying that Penn State led. Um, it was not an imminent decision, but a decision that could come sooner rather than later. And it's, he was just on campus. He has, you know, it's Michael Troutman out of Wayne DePaul. So I guess, you know, I should mention that. <laughs> um, but he is, he, you know, we talked about what Penn State usually looks for an offensive lineman, and, and he is very different. You know, he, he's 6'2", you know, 260, 270, whatever he is. Um, I, I forgot to check before I came on to see what his latest weight was, to be honest. We've got but, about 270 on, the, on yeah. our profile. So that's that's accurate because I just updated it last week. So anyway, um, but everybody I talked to in New Jersey, and I was in North Jersey on Thursday at some schools who I, I was not able to get to DePaul, but I was able to get to schools that play DePaul, that know DePaul, that you know have some ins there as well. And they all say he's the best offensive lineman pound for pound there. And he's, he's 6'2", 270, as you said, and he's just nasty. And I, I remember talking to Chris Ash one time, the former Rutgers coach, about the center position. And he's like, man, we won a Fiesta Bowl at Ohio State with a center who is 5'11". He goes, if you can get away with it at any position, it's that position. And, I, and I've always kept that in my mind. Um you know, those were the Urban Meyer teams at Ohio State who I think they were pretty good. And so you, it, he Troutman does not fit traditionally what Troutwine wants in an offensive lineman, but he's nasty, he's tough, he's physical, plays with leverage, very smart kid. So, I mean, shoot, Tyler, that, that fits at a lot of places. You know, and the size to me isn't really that big of a deal at that position. Now, He's a kid that visited Rutgers a bunch, and I talked to somebody last night who said that Penn State was the leader, but Rutgers was still right there with it too. Um, I felt comfortable enough to put in for Penn State, though. 
the, the interesting thing here is if he were if he were to end up with Penn State and perhaps be that center in the in the next class to follow up a center who looks so different in Cooper Cousins, six foot six, three hundred and twenty five pounds, not a normal looking center in in, in in any regard there at the oh. high school level. Um, so interesting stuff, and we'll keep tabs. But the crystal ball pick is in. We appreciate the perspective, and I just wanted to to get into one other subject with you. Penn State has replaced both of their coordinators, one by choice, one because they had to when Manny Diaz took the Duke job. Uh, but but the dust has settled uh, in a lot of regards. This team has reorganized for uh, you know, five weeks on campus or so right now. But from a recruiting standpoint, how do you feel? What's the sense that you have that Penn State has come out the other side? What work do they have to do with Andy Kotelnicki and, and, and then uh, obviously a new defensive coordinator in Tom Allen, who has a lot of head coaching experience, but it's getting back to kind of his roots in, in some ways. What do you feel about this transition and what's still to come if Penn State's going to be recruiting at their highest capacity? Yeah, I think I'm glad you asked that because it's come up a lot in recruiting, right? And so we'll handle the defensive side because it's quick. On the defensive side, you have Tom Allen, who has, you know, he was at Indiana. He has that head coach experience. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to talk to kids. He'll talk to them about scheme. They understand it. He, he's going to coach the linebackers, which we've seen a lot there. You have Terry Smith and Anthony Pondexter in the secondary coaching. and We know how good they are at recruiting. Dion's a really good recruiter on the defensive line. And, and I've always been of the belief, you know, go, watching recruiting is that on the defensive side, it's really about position coaches. In, in a lot of instances, and not so much to D coordinator. And I think they've done a good job on that side. The reaction of Tom Allen from the junior days on a whole, where he seemed organized, kids understood where their assignments would be if they played in that defense. And, you know, there's some that wished that they got to spend more time with them than they did, but such is life when you're on a junior day with 20 kids there, right? The offensive side. Now, we've talked about this. I've been on here talking about the receiver situation. I was down at Florida at that seven-on-seven, seven, the Battle Miami, where, I mean, I, I felt like there were 7,000 receivers that had Penn State offers. And that's what caused me to look up and see how many offers at the receiver spot Penn State had given out. And it's I, it, we listed, I think it's just south of 80, and I'm sure we're missing a few on that. Now, talking to these kids, they – we're able to watch some of the Kansas tape on how he was able to isolate receivers one-on-one -on -one and get them really good matchups at Kansas. Um, that really stood out to a lot of them. Even the running backs, they spoke about how, hey, we may be getting the ball on a handoff, but we may be spread out a little more, or we may be getting us to it in the passing game. So as a running back, you really have to be able to catch the ball. And there was a lot more. I felt like the recruits were more detailed and more paying attention to what was going on scheme-wise on the offensive side, knowing that Penn State needs receiver help. Like I, I was at schools, I, I probably talked to 20 kids that had offers, receiver offers in late January, early February, and they all knew Penn State needed help at the receiver spot. And so this is a really good chance for him to showcase it. And I'll tell you this, Tyler, and I know how this stuff goes, I would expect when Penn State has its spring game that spring games, you know, are as vanilla as can be. But I I, I would have to believe they're going to run some stuff where there's going to be a couple of receivers that have big games in that just so they can then get that tape out. And spring games are meaningless, right, because you're not going to do anything really extravagant 
for these other teams to be able to pull off tape and use during the season. But knowing how this stuff works, that's what I thought of because I, I really think that from being out on the road, from watching them, and you, you watch them weekly, that room needs help. Yeah, last April we came out of the blue-white game thinking that Omari Evans was Drew Aller's new best friend and be his go-to target. I don't think he caught a pass from Drew Aller in game action until maybe Halloween. Uh, so, yeah, you, you never quite know what to take away from that game, but you're right. Oh, I know what to take away, nothing. <laughs> Zero, yeah, yeah, practice number 15, trying to get the <laughs> healthy, right? Uh, yes. Brian, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, really solid information every time you get on and uh, carrying the weight on this episode, which I really needed the help with. So uh, thank you so much. Hey, Tyler, best of luck to you. Feel better and, and get some rest. And folks out there, Tyler's playing hurt today, so give him a lot of credit. Thank you, Brian. Take care. See ya. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. We had some plans to get into a bit more this week, but as we've covered, wasn't really uh, up for it quite quite, quite yet. Uh, I want to thank the folks, by the way, at uh, Mountain Indy Medical Center right there across uh, the way from Beaver Stadium. It's where we brought our daughter into the world a couple of years ago. It's also where they took really good care of me. When you show up to an ER uh, facility at midnight in a college town, it's a little nerve-wracking. You're not sure what you're going to encounter. Um, I was back home 24 hours later. Uh, missing an organ, but in, in a much better uh, mental state, much better physical state. So thank you to what I feel like was about 20 to 25 doctors, nurses, uh, and everyone else who, who plays a role at a hospital. So at Mountain Indy Health, a big thanks to them. Uh, we're going to be back next week with a couple uh, episodes. We have an opportunity early next week to go back over to Beaver Stadium. We're going to hear from James Franklin for the first time in a bit. We're going to hear from the new special teams coordinator. We're also going to get a chance to hear from several members of the 2023 freshman class for the first time in a long time. Catch up on their first year on campus, getting underway with year two. So some fresh content coming your way. Daniel Gallon and I are going to pick up our depth chart conversation. We went over the offense last week. We're going to dive into things on the defensive perspective in the upcoming week as well. And if Penn State basketball keeps things rolling, we got a conversation to have there as well. They're starting to get hot and make things a little bit more interesting in Big Ten conference play. But again, going back to our guest today, Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst with 24-7 Sports, does such a phenomenal job. If he's not a Twitter follow for you already, you got to change that. If you're not following our coverage at lines247.com, change that too because Brian is always weighing in on the latest and, and stuff like crystal ball picks. And it's not just uh, random picks when it comes to Brian Doan. There's a wealth of knowledge and intel that goes into these kind of reports from him. Uh, so big thanks to him for hopping on with us. Big thanks to our team at lines247.com for, for carrying that extra weight while I've been laying in bed the last few days and may continue to do so for the next few. Um, on behalf of everyone here, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll catch up with you real soon.